What is the Bible? What does the Bible claim to be? And how can we know we can trust the Bible? All this coming up in part one of a series called What is the Bible? in our all new podcast entitled C28. All right, all new episode. I've been waiting for this one. You did great with the intro. Yeah, it was a mouthful. You did great, yeah. <laughs> Timing's perfect. Got it all in there. All righty. So, um, yeah, this topic, it's one that, it's another one that we started talking about and we realized it's you know probably two or three parts to even cover what we're trying to do. And so we've actually officially just uh, anticipated a, a part two and part and possibly part three to this. Mm-hmm. So we're not even going to attempt to cover everything. Nope. T- today. No, we can't. Right. We can't. I mean, unless people want to like put this on before they go to bed and just have it play for eight hours while they sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> that'd be horrible. <laughs> so there will be questions left unanswered. Yeah. And this begins the process of somebody being able to understand like, what is the Bible? And eventually it'll come down to how can we trust it, right? Because this is a huge question. Everything we believe, we go back to what the Bible says. And, and well, we're going to get into this too, I guess, but the ultimate authority. Yeah. Right. And right. so then, what does one of the questions, what does the Bible itself claim to be? And then also, how can we trust it? Mm-hmm. And there's a couple different approaches to that too. But what we're going to try to accomplish uh, this episode is just talk about what does the Bible claim itself to be, right? Let's start there. Yeah, and this is going to lay, or at least this topic lays the foundation, kind of like what you said, for everything else that we've talked about or going to talk about, mm-hmm. right? Everything, yeah. every topic, every hot take we have on something mm. will come back to how we view what the Bible says about something. Yeah, an example is we're starting a new series at the church that uh, CJ and I pastor at, and uh, we want to talk about like what is the mission of the church and how does Cornerstone play its role in that? Uh, well, we went back to, we have this like cute little phrase, right? That, you know, partly makes me throw up in my mouth and partly I believe, <laughs> I believe is it's good to have things that help people understand what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, but we're, but we're, we're going to, the phrase, well, we're not quite, there's one word we haven't finished. One is grow. Mm-hmm. One is worship. And the other one is either serve or love. I like serve because it sounds better, but I think love captures more what we're trying to do, but also could be easily misunderstood by our culture. Right. About what love means. Right. And the reason you're straining over picking these words comes down to how the Bible talks about these things. Yes. Yeah. And so we're like, well, we got to go back then. Before we talk about this, we got to talk about that God builds his church, right? Okay. Well, mm-hmm. if God builds his church, he's redeeming them. Well, then I'm like, well, we got to go back before that. He's redeeming them from what? And then like, well, we got to go back to the fall then. Well, if we go back to the fall, go back to creation. I'm like, well, we've got to be able to um, explain why we're pulling all of this from the Bible. So we got to talk about what the Bible is. And then, so here we are in this episode, um, kind of the point in case that we need to know what the Bible is, what the Bible claims to be. And then in the end, why and how can we trust this Bible? Yep. Because there's other books that claim to be authority. Yeah. So then how, do, how does ours differentiate? Yeah. Yep. And uh, maybe now's a good time to talk a little bit about like what's coming up. Oh yeah, in, good in point. The rest of the season, yeah. And, tell, and tell why us. we're why we're doing this episode at this point is so that we can lay the foundation, right? Yeah. Like we've gotten, <laughs> we've had some practice episodes to figure out how to even have a podcast, sure. and now we're going to talk about the Bible, and it's going to lay the foundation for the authority by which we're talking about everything else, right? 
<laughs> so I, was, okay. I was taking a drink of coffee there. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so go yeah, ahead. It was one of those drinks of coffee where it's like you're. I was okay. in a moment. That's fine. All right. So, um, and this is just a loose schedule, right? Like we haven't exactly stuck to the schedule perfectly up until this point because things come up and we have opportunities to interview people and exactly right. And so we're going to do that. But uh, coming up, uh, the next one, if we follow the schedule perfectly, the next one would be, "Am I saved?" So we're going to take a look at soteriology. Um, in within that episode, we're going to try and answer the question: Are lukewarm Christians saved? Maybe we'll explore what that term means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and take a look at that. And is there such thing? Right, God's role in salvation, man's mm-hmm. role in salvation. After that, we're going to look at what is progressive Christianity, which I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll definitely be going back to the Bible to answer that question. Because there's a lot of progressive Christianity out there that doesn't actually even claim to be progressive Christian. Right. And so then we would need to identify it then also if it's yeah. not claiming to be it, right? So yeah. knowing not only like, oh, hey, stay away from this for these reasons, but also this is what it looks like. Right. No, that's good. Yeah, and for the record, we're not talking about progressive necessarily politically or maybe even necessarily socially, right? This is a term used to define a certain type of, certain stream of theology. Sure, it, yeah. It that. maybe used to be called liberalism in theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that we're, the word progressive in itself isn't bad. Right. Progressive Christianity, like mm-hmm. that term, mm-hmm. um, usually means something, and there's a danger in it. Yeah, yep. Um, after that, it will be an episode on how to study the Bible. So we're talking about what the Bible is and why it's worth studying today. Yeah. Um, and then how to study it. Yeah. And just, just for, this just happened yesterday. I had a counseling appointment and, uh, in the middle of this, um, the male half brings up a verse that he has been misunderstanding, taking it out of context, um, misinterpreting it and trying to apply it into his marriage essentially as a life verse, but done wrong. And, and I that can be dangerous, right? It is dangerous because yeah. of, of how it's affecting this marriage. And so part of the problem is, was a Bible study methods issue that, uh, um, with s- several issues and how he came to that. And so now my job is, um, teaching, uh, this person, not only how to study the Bible for situations like this, but now I'm trying to take his life verse and essentially I'm going to end up convincing him that you've misunderstood it this whole time, that, that it, essentially the way he's interpreted it, he's trying to take a role that only Jesus has. Mm-hmm. And I have to kind of work my way through explaining Ephesians chapter 5 to him in the correct way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it'll have great impacts on his marriage. Anyways, yeah. there's just an example. Huge practical implications Perfect. of how to study the Bible, definitely. Um, the next would be we're going to take a look at denominations. What are denominations? Maybe a little bit of history of denominations. Um, what we are as far as a denomination um, and the varying denominations, I guess, within evangelicalism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and okay. maybe even, um, maybe we'll even touch on our denominations good. Right, yeah, pros and cons. Yeah, because we've been getting into that conversation lately, Yeah, and uh, that could be a good conversation. Yeah, next, this one's going to be really boring, and no one's going to care um, what we have to say about this, but it's what is the woman's role in the church? This is a listener question. Yeah. That was submitted. Yeah. And so the, we, we didn't come up with this. For the record, that was sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. No, CJ. No, no, this is, this is a so really stupid. good question, really <laughs> serious question. And I, yeah. Oh, man. I said something sarcastically, but I didn't use enough sarcastic inflection yeah. <laughs> in the way no, I said it. I think it's a, good, it's a good question because we've been asked this a lot, and part of it is um, that some people have misunderstood what is, what is God's structure in the church, 
and uh, on both sides of this. Mm-hmm. And there's there's issues both ways, and uh, we need to probably address this. And it's a and it's also a current issue, a current topic issue, um, uh, with that the world's taking on in the secular sense also. And so we need to make sure that we're clear on what um, the Bible communicates about it as well. Yep. Yeah. Good. Um, the next would be, this would be episode 10. Uh, can you lose your salvation? So kind of building on the episode discussing how someone is saved, right? Which mm-hmm. would be soteriology. Mm-hmm. This is, can you lose your salvation once you have attained salvation? Yeah. An authentic so, conversion. Right. Can an authentically mm-hmm. uh, born again Christian become unborn again? Yeah. Can, <laughs> it even sounds can, ridiculous explaining it, Brian. <laughs> can you lose something that you didn't get yourself? <laughs> Can you choose to not be born? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I, I, the people could probably guess our leaning. <laughs> um, episode 11 uh, would be, am I good enough to get into heaven? This is another listener question. Yep. Um, it, what I like in the schedule notes is that, I think you wrote this, this is the plague of mankind trying to be good enough for heaven. Oh, interesting. I wrote yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. I didn't write it. I agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> the plague of mankind trying to be good enough heaven yeah i mean our whole our whole world is developed that way right yeah be good enough so that you can get this job be good enough so you can have this marriage be good enough so that you can earn this and uh Mm -hmm. so i mean i think that uh it's kind of ingrained in yeah at least old school americanism yeah right (laughs) i think i made up maybe made up a word there (laughs) yeah uh it's like you know like (laughs) i'm not taking any handouts yeah pull myself up by my bootstraps and i'll earn it if i'm gonna have it yeah, and, and maybe that's changing a bit, starting with millennials and under. That there's there's <laughs> millennials. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> no, I think we're both millennials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I think that uh, that that it, it might be changing a bit, but I think that um, our culture, by and large, um, teaches this be good enough. And I think, to be honest, uh, there's pretty much all of the religions are uh, be good enough or um, appease this God to get this right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we need to be clear about who we're worshiping and who our God is. Yeah. Yep. And then this would be the final episode, um, for what we're calling season one. And it's called fundraising because we need different equipment (laughs) or not need. That's true. We don't, we don't need, we don't need it, but yeah. You want to talk about that for a minute? Well, we haven't planned on talking about, but I'll I'll give it my best shot right now. So, um, we have thought about various ways to raise just a small amount of money to be able to get microphones that are the same and of a tad bit better quality. We don't have bad microphones, but right. um, one of our one of our goals of this podcast was to not rehearse it to have be more raw conversation. Um, we know that because of our schedules, it can't take up a ton of time each week, so we're not preparing a ton for it intentionally. And then um, part of that also is uh, the mixing and producing and and the back-end work of getting this um, edited and uploaded, um, trying to make it as easy as possible. And one of the ways to do that would be having the same microphones um, for ourselves and guests because some of the work comes into trying to get people to sound at the same levels and volumes and densities and all of that. And so, anyways, there's a couple things that, uh, not a lot, but there's a couple things that we would... um, like to change about our current setup to make it even that much better and a little bit easier listening. And uh, so we've talked about possibly finding a way to do a little bit of fundraising mm-hmm. and um, get some swag out there. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. a couple mugs, a couple shirts. Yeah. I haven't even told CJ this. This is a spoiler right Uh-oh. now. I got 
two mugs and two shirts coming, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my One goodness. in triple X for you and one in large for me. <laughs> I don't even know we're allowed to say that. <laughs> People are offended for you. <laughs> Why are they offended? My muscles are huge. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh, that working out, I want uh, you to rip it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we got you know a little. How many so we got laps some I make between here, the office, and the taco truck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> daily. <laughs> you got at least one sit up a day, half getting out of bed, half laying back down, picking oh, up that super burrito multiple times to get through it. <laughs> All right, oh, well, yeah. Wow. So maybe that's going to be coming in the near future. A tad bit of fundraising. Try yeah, to so get just a keep bit it in your mind. Things. And you know what? Like we we don't need it. It's not any pressure or anything like that. We just know that there are people who have offered. And, and if there's other people that, that feel that this process is a blessing to them and, and they would like to hear CJ's voice not cut in and out periodically throughout the <laughs> podcast and stuff like that, like maybe they'd want to throw in a couple bucks and we'll send you a shirt or something. Yeah, and if our five listeners say no, then that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, it would have been easier just to go knock on their door. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird way to do a small group. <laughs> Oh. All right, so the last um, episode that we had scheduled is called Hills to Die On. So another listener question. Like, how do we how do we decide um, what is a theological point, maybe a moral or ethical point that we we absolutely have to stand by under any circumstance? Right? Perfect. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good, good way to end yep. this season, and then we'll start back up another season. And, and if you have ideas... Or topics you want covered or something, or you want better explanations, like send those messages in some comments below. Yeah. Whether it's YouTube or Facebook or whatever, you uh, um, go ahead and comments below. If you're listening, uh, it's uh, one of the email addresses would be Brian, B R Y A N, at cornerstoneion.org. Brian, my name, at cornerstone, our church name, Ion, the city we live in, dot org. <laughs> Just send an email with, uh, you know, thoughts of more topics and, uh, we do have a list already going of some more. We actually got some last week, mm-hmm. some more uh, suggested topics. So keep bringing those in. We'd love to talk about them. But for now, let's go ahead and jump into uh, what is the Bible, part one. Yeah. Here, right. I'll start. So, okay, all right. You interrupted me. But <laughs> oh, sorry. Fine. Did you want to go? No, I, I don't want to now. <laughs> Feelings are hurt. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll just start with this. How about this? Uh, Wayne Grudem says that uh, the the Bible claims these four things about itself. Um uh, the authority of Scripture, the clarity of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, and the f- sufficiency of Scripture. And then um, I thought this part one would be good to start with um, for my own couple thoughts would be the authority of Scripture. And Wayne Grudem defines uh, the authority of Scripture as this. The authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any of the word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God, right? So that is how much these words are God's and the authority that they have as God's words. So that's how I would jumpstart this. Go ahead and take off, CJ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Frame, we just used one, one of his introductions to systematic theology in one of our small groups. We spent like six months going through that. And he has this fascinating um, portion in that book talking about the word um, as, and he compares it to more of even like an attribute of God's because it carries his authority um, and it carries his character and his ethics and represents him in that way. So I thought that was interesting. But what I wanted to do is, as you guys know, I really like to go back to um, like historical 
Christian documents. So this is the, again, the London Baptist Confession of Faith um, from 1689, and this is on the Holy Scriptures. This is the way that, that they put it. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet are yet are they not sufficient to give the knowledge of God and his will which is necessary unto salvation. There, therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church, and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the church and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same wholly unto writing which maketh the holy scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. Bro, you're going to have to break that down. That's, that's an elephant. I got, I got to eat this one bite at a time. Help me out. <laughs> okay, so basically what they're saying is that um, God's word, like what he wanted to communicate to people, um, at one time was revealed in multiple different ways. Right, So he would come down and speak directly to his people, mm-hmm. or he would speak through a prophet, or mm-hmm. he would write on some tablets. Right, mm-hmm. There's these different ways. And they're saying that now God reveals his will. He speaks to us through his word. Mm-hmm. What he wants us to know about him, what he sees is good and fit for us to know about him and ourselves and the world we live in is found in God's word. Mm-hmm. Right, And that's where we need to go for all rule of authority and manner of life and living, uh, for, for governing the church, for governing our own lives, things like that. Let me read a... <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me read a verse here, and uh, I think there's a slight word study CJ did. He learned a new word. He knows how to pronounce it. Um, I, I heard <laughs> YouTube I, taught me how to pronounce it. I heard him practicing it in his office. Oh my okay. gosh! So let's read Second uh, Timothy three fifteen. Timothy. <laughs> second Second Timothy. Uh, okay. okay, this is what I live with, right? Gosh. All right, Second Timothy. 3, 15 through 16 says this, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, here we go. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, man, if only I knew what this breathed out thing meant. Oh man. CJ, Are can you, you help in me? Luck? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Okay. So, um, I think that translations like the English standard version, and I'm sure others that, that render this, um, God breathed do the best job at capturing the intent of the word. So some translations say inspired, right? Which is fine. Um, but I think it's deficient. So, inspired has this idea of like coming into somebody, right? The word is, is coming into them. And the idea of being God breathed is putting the focus back on God. Like it's leaving his mouth directly to the people, right? So the, it's mm-hmm. a matter of focus. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. So this word theopneustos. There it is. Boom. Oh, wait, hold on. I got something for that. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Theopneustos. Just to get in there one more time. Okay. Um, that's the Greek word that Paul chose to use when describing what Scripture is, right? He's saying all Scripture is theopneustos, mm-hmm. meaning that it is God-breathed, 
It is from God directly. Yeah. Right? For man. So you'd be saying that if there was an if there's an author trying to find a word that most clearly articulate that it is actually God's word for his people, that this would be the word that they would go to. Yep. And, and catch this. He says all scripture, mm-hmm. all scripture, right, is God breathed. And this really, um, and this is kind of a hobby horse of mine, but, and, it, and it's going to get into another episode, but um, the progressive idea of scripture is totally contrary to this. So the, yeah. the progressive idea if I were to sum it up, um, is that scripture is man's best attempt at capturing their observations of the divine. Right. Right. And so it, it could be flawed because it's their best attempt. It's man who is flawed, his best attempt yeah, at exactly. capturing something he can't understand. Yep. Right. It so, removes the power of God in the process, right? Yeah. It's like God did some things and men scramble, try to find the sharpest pencil yep. and uh, the cleanest piece of paper and do their best then to remember of what happened and all of the havoc. I'm going to do my best. And so in, in that, it'd be so messed up and, uh, and oh, what's the word? So disorganized yeah. and convoluted yep. that it, it was only its best attempt. And so now we have to then compare culture Right to scripture and do our best to mediate in between the two where we believe that what the Bible teaches is against that is not that that it is sufficient. It was uh, preserved and canonized by the power of God with intentionality. And if he can raise his son from the dead, he can preserve his word. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing under the progressives idea. (laughs) You applauded yourself. Once in a while. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally appropriate. (laughs) So it, it, the progressive idea, um, really, there's there's no reason why we should stop adding to Scripture either, right? Because right. why can't we do our best at observing the divine mm-hmm. and add our observations to these writers? Yeah, and maybe new, th- they would say that there's even maybe new things that were missed back then that now we have yeah. more intelligence or revelation about then that we can add to Scripture where right. we believe that the Bible literally says, do not add or subtract from this. Right, so... I believe that we need to one take the Bible at its word when it talks about itself. Yep. Right, and then and then you get accused of circular reasoning. Um, we'll, but we'll attack that too, like in part two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. I think one here. Here's something helpful to remember: um, that the Bible was not written by one human author mm-hmm. at one time. This is part two stuff, but go year. on. I'm just saying, okay, to, to help frame it, right? Yeah. That we're the Bible is a um, an assortment of books stretching over thousands of years, right? And over dozens and dozens of authors. And yet they're all telling the same story. Right. Yeah. From different continents, sometimes different languages. Yeah. All coming together with the same message. Right. Yeah. That's powerful. The continuity is miraculous. I wonder if there's any other document in the history of the world. That's like that. (laughs) I don't know. You got any thoughts on that, Brian? Have you ever heard about another document like that? (laughs) Uh, Part two. Okay. All right. All right. So, so you haven't studied for it? <laughs> <laughs> no, so spoiler, I do not think there is another document such as Scripture. There is nothing else in human history that comes close to what Scripture is. And I think that even secular atheist uh, historians uh, understand antiquity and understand history and preservations and things like that uh, will absolutely admit there is nothing like this book. They just refuse to believe. Like, in the end, I do not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was dead and he stayed dead, and there's various ways they try to um, explain that. But that people don't argue. Reputable 
historians and scientists don't argue that Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. It, did he do what he said he did? People don't argue that this book ha- is is beyond anything else that we have, not to mention Homer's Iliad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that it is unique and it should be under any other secular standard com- more reliable than any other document of its age. And yet uh, we cast they cast doubt on it because they don't like what it says, essentially. Yeah. And I agree, it has uh, worldwide implications if you believe what the Bible says. Yep. So one question that comes up from the passage that we just read, Paul says all scripture, right? But Paul hadn't even finished writing all of his letters that we consider the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So when he's talking about scripture, what is he talking about? So I would start with the Old Testament. How do we know the Old Testament is... And I think the New Testament, I've heard CJ say it several times. He took a class, I think, last year. So, <laughs> CJ, you talk about New Testament. I'll talk about Old Testament. Okay. Um, there's a couple ways we can trust the Old Testament as being complete and Scripture. One is that um, just if you go back to the prophets, um, first off, the Bible continually talks about itself as Scripture, as something different than uh, a mere letter. But um, you look at the prophets and uh, the times where all, all the times that um, these sections start off by, that says, thus says the Lord. Um, the reason why uh, one would start off by saying, thus says the Lord, or thus saith the Lord, would be because it's, uh, that, would, that was common in its time to preface a king's edict, something he was about to say uh, to the people that he is sovereign over. And so the prophets would say that as well, thus says the Lord. And the reason they would say that is they were effectively and clearly communicating what I'm about to say is from the Lord. Um, in prophets, the standard was that every single word must come from the Lord or else he would be considered a false prophet. That would mean everything he has said, everything he will say um, is not prophetic. And you can go to Numbers 22, Deuteronomy 18, Jeremiah 2, 7, Jeremiah 1, 9, things like that. So first you have the Old Testament talking about itself as if it is scripture and if it is the words of God. And there's various other ways, right? The law, how do we know the law was written like that? You know, the Psalms, things like that. But that's just an example of the prophets. Um, And then if you look to 2 Timothy 3.16, when it says all scripture is breathed out, that word scripture and all the other 51 occurrences found in the New Testament is referring to Old Testament writings. So sometimes I think that we don't think about the effect that the New Testament was not canonized at this point, right? So when they're referring to Scripture, most commonly, um, when they're talking about the writings, things that have been written, and and uh, up in verse 15, it says sacred writings, right? That's not where um, the apostles are affirming each other in their apostleship and in their Scripture. Um, sacred writings, that's Old Testament stuff. The 51 occurrences, we believe, are talking about Old Testament things, and that word is uh, graphe. And so in when Scripture, when the, when the New Testament is talking about the Old Testament, it is referred to as Scripture over and over and over again, and it was complete. So if there was an issue to be taken with a portion of that, there would have been an issue taken, but it wasn't. It was accepted as it was. In addition to that, one of the things that hit uh, really strong for me is that Jesus accepted the Old Testament as Scripture. So if Jesus, the Messiah, deity, God himself, in, in the form of man, comes and says, hey, what is already complete in Scripture for the Old Testament, I will quote it, I will call it scripture, I'll refer to it, I will use it, I will talk about today by what it said in the past, and I'll call it scripture, that that is good enough for me. And in John 10, 22 uh, through 38, there's this whole encounter where 
Um, he refers to the Old Testament and says Scripture cannot be broken, referring to it as Scripture. And so those are kind of the two main things. I mean, really, I lean on Jesus said it's Scripture, and I believe Jesus is deity, the Son of God, the prophesied one from Isaiah 53, uh, taking care of sin, which only the Messiah can do on the cross, and he says that's Scripture, and so I'm good with that, not to mention all the other things. Um, if we had a bunch of time, we could talk about but. Um, yeah, so I believe that that is sufficient to say, okay, the Bible itself claims Old Testament to be Scripture, and that word, uh, God breathe, that that is what's being referred to. Um, I also believe that the apostles speak each other and affirm each other in that also. But anyways, as far as the Old Testament, I think that's sufficient. Yeah. So what do you got for the New Testament? How do we know the New Testament is Scripture? Well, so one of the places that I go back to um, the most would be Second Peter three fourteen through eighteen, and so in this um, Peter is writing, and he's writing to uh, some people, and he's talking, he's discussing Paul's writings um, mm-hmm. while he's talking to them, and he says, starting in, let's see, we'll start at verse fifteen. It says, and and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Mm. Right? As mm-hmm. they, so he's, he's talking about Paul's letters, and he's like, sometimes people abuse them just like they do the other scriptures. Well, Paul's a New Testament writer, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's New Testament. He's um, after Jesus has come. He's an apostle. And so there's an apostle affirming another apostle's writings as scripture. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah, and for various reasons, it is even more substantial that Paul's being affirmed as apostle. But True, yeah. But that's happening there too. Right. Because it could have said, just like they do the actual scriptures, but instead it's the other. And that word, you know, uh, Hebrew culture is very careful about the words they use and the and reasons they use them and the implications that they have. We're a little bit looser in Western culture with our True. words. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, yeah. So you've got that. Um, and then several, um, other things, Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples to teach all that he has commanded. And so what the apostolic writers of the new Testament are teaching is that what they were taught from Christ, right? So it's a given it's authority Mm -hmm. by Christ. Again, this isn't just the apostles observing Jesus and doing their best to interpret and then teach what they think he was saying. Right, he he taught them directly and said, "Now you go." They were commissioned mm-hmm. to go and teach these things, mm-hmm. and so their writings are under the authority of God. Yeah, right, and that gets into Christology, who we believe God is. Do you feel comfortable in short? Um, again, I, I've heard you do this in the past, and so you seem a lot cocked and ready to rock with it. But uh, <laughs> are, do you feel comfortable explaining like who had the right to write New Testament books by their apostleship and explaining that briefly? Yeah, I'll do my best. Yeah, even like yeah. a couple sentences. So you, we, we consider um, scripture someone, someone who wrote scripture had to be either an apostle, right? Uh, one of the ones actually appointed by Jesus for this position or an apostolic associate. Um, and so then that rules out anyone that would have lived too long after either of those, mm-hmm. right? So and an apostle is going to be someone who actually walked with Christ during his yep. earthly ministry. And an apostolic associate is someone who walked directly with one of those 12 apostles. So like Luke, right? Luke isn't an apostle. Luke is a physician and a historian that traveled with, I believe, John, Mark, and Paul on missionary journeys and recorded what he was told. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's how we have the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And that's the um, associate position. Right, that's right. the associate. And so he had firsthand accounts of what was being said, and he wrote them down. Right. Actually, Luke is probably my favorite gospel just because of his style as a historian. Mm-hmm. So concerned about the facts and the truth, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, apostles like Paul um, or Matthew, right? How, how is Paul an apostle? <laughs> I mean, you don't right, have right. to. No, no, no. So, so Paul... Um, Paul is an apostle. He considers himself the least, right, of right. all the apostles, which is interesting because it seems like all the other apostles really look up to Paul. Yeah, well, also his his essentially apostleship came right. from a very unique way. Right, he was taken up to heaven. Yeah. Right? Well, in a desert with the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he had this really unique experience alone with God. Yeah. Right, and, and was taught the things that the other apostles were. He goes back, finds them, and is like, "Hey, this is what I was taught. Yep. I want you to confirm what I was taught." And they're like, "Yeah, that's for sure the right thing. You've got it. Yep. Like you were, you were definitely with Jesus if you believe in or teaching these things." Right. So then, by the other ones, he had that special apostleship from we'd say walking with the Lord through uh, the two. I think I believe it's two years in the desert with the with Lord with the, the Jesus out there or the Holy Spirit out there, and then he comes back. It's confirmed, like mm-hmm. the other apostles, like, yep, 100%. And then even his writings and his teachings are uh, confirmed later in the passage that, that you just read. Yeah. Yeah. And so then this brings out a point, right, that there are probably other documents out there that accurately reflect what Jesus actually did, right? Mm-hmm. There's people that probably wrote things, but it's not considered scripture, which is different, right? Yeah. And so, for instance, like things like the Apocrypha and other extra biblical writings, it doesn't mean that everything they wrote is false. It's that we don't hold them. We don't compare other things to them. We compare everything to scripture. Right. And, uh, and so those other things still may be true, but scripture yeah. is set apart and holy and different. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things that came out of the, the Reformation when they're reclaiming this idea of the authority of scripture um, was a term called sola scriptura, mm-hmm. right? Which is Latin. And it means uh, by scripture alone. Um, but what that doesn't mean is that we don't find value in other books, right? That doesn't mean that we don't read creeds and confessions. That doesn't mean that we don't right. read theology books or history books or science books. Mm-hmm. It just means at the end of the day, scripture has the final say. Let's give an example. An example would be this. Say uh, Christianity began to lean in the wrong direction. There could be something, say a reformation, that happens. <laughs> and what would you use... To reform the church, you would use not anything other than what God has already provided and claim to be this is by which the standard you will reform anything. Yeah. And so any reformation that may happen has to be biblical and from the scriptures, not anything extra biblical, but this is the standard that we go back to. Every time there's something we're like, wait a second, is that wrong or right? Culture accuses Christianity of something. Wait a second, are we off or are we right? We go back to scripture. We go back to scripture. We go back to scripture. That's why it's so important that we know why we hold this in authority, one, right? Why we hold this in authority, and then two, why we can trust it. Yep. Because otherwise, it's no different than cat in the hat. Yep. Yeah. And then you've got places like uh, Matthew 1. So Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, right? And so he's tracing him from, he's tracing this genealogy from the New Testament all the way through the Old Testament. He's establishing that there is this factual history of people mm-hmm. going all the way back that are the bloodline of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't just show up out of nowhere. He has this well-established bloodline mm-hmm. that people knew. People yeah. knew where his ancestors were from. Uh, Matthew nineteen four through 5, we see that Jesus affirms the historical Adam and Eve. And then John six thirty two, Jesus affirms the account of the manna given to the Israelites in the wilderness. He's like, you remember when that manna was coming down? He's like, that wasn't Moses that was doing that for you. 
Um, John 5, 39 through 47, Jesus affirms the writings of Moses as truthful and pointing towards his coming. That's really important, right? So the writings of Moses, according to church history, have always been considered the first five Mm -hmm. books of the Old Testament. Jesus is affirming those first five books as being scripture, right? As being truthful, saying they were talking about me. That's incredible because we're not even to the prophets yet, Mm -hmm. right? Those are like law books and they're still foreshadowing Christ. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that he has not come to abolish the law, right? Right. He's affirming that again as truthful and good and right. Um, He he talks about being the fulfillment of all of the law and prophets, Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so pretty soon you have basically the entire the entire Old Testament that Jesus has affirmed as not only being good and useful, but pointing towards Him as the Messiah, the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and then if He is that person, and then He affirms the New Testament, you have all of this coming together. Yeah. So, a summary of where we're at right now. I think we have clear, pretty clearly <laughs> articulated that the Old Testament is considered Scripture. The New Testament is considered scripture. Jesus uses the word scripture. When the word scripture is used, it's referring to God breathed, which is his words um, intentionally placed um, in in canonized, um, bookended in a sense, like created, so that it would then be uh, the living word by which his creation would live by until his return. Yep. And it's one consecutive uh, story um, articulating uh, creation, fall, law, redemption, resurrection to glory. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe one other thing to note is that Paul and this fly is killing me right now. Just so you I'm know. So, I'm sorry. There is a fly attacking CJ. I can't He's very concerned it. about it. <laughs> uh, Paul in Romans 1, he talks about, and I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but... Paul in Romans 1 says that there's enough in creation for people to know there's a God mm-hmm. that leaves them without excuse. By the way, that's why I believe that the majority of the world, it's above 80%. It's been around 87% for decades. But around 87% of the world believes that there is a higher power. Yeah. The pursuit is, what is the higher power? So how in the world can you have the vast majority, vast, vast, vast majority of the world all believe there is a higher power out there. I just don't know exactly which one it is because there's several several that people claim it is. For me, that is proof of that text. Yep. That the world is not saying, oh, there is nothing higher. We are higher. A sinful, prideful man is claiming there is something greater than myself. Yep. And they're in pursuit of that to one degree or another. Yeah. Yeah. And they're left to their futile thinking apart from the word that has been God-breathed, right, that has been written down for the preservation of all saints throughout history, mm-hmm. they're left to their own thinking as to how to interact with this God that does exist. And Paul, I've heard some people, it's funny, Paul. some people argue that Paul um, is saying that God doesn't believe in atheists, right? Because all, <laughs> yeah. no, like none yeah. are without excuse. There's enough in creation to believe that a God exists. The best least. you can get is an agnostic. Yeah. The yeah. one that's like maybe, maybe not, but there's always going to be that maybe, right? right? Like, yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna know there's no way all this can come together like this just by looking at nature. There's something that screams. There's a creator. There's something fine tuned about what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. And the ones that that are um, that the gospel is made known to the ones that do have scripture available to them to know the true and living God, 
Paul argues that they're just suppressing the truth. Mm-hmm. That in their sin, they love it more than they love the God that is, and so they suppress the truth so they don't have to change their lives. Yeah. Because really, the Word of God is powerful, right? It's acting. It's alive. Something to be interacted with. Yeah, an example, I think, a short story of an example. I was There's this guy that um, was coming to our church for a while, and, uh, you know, he was uh, kind of rough and tumble, you know, had a couple felonies on his you know, on his chart there, and um, kind of rough past, um, you know, parents, gang members, you know, um, in and out of his life, and he ended up at our church for a while. And I, and although it ends sad, I appreciate um, that I believe he said something that proved to me that he understood what was being taught at Cornerstone Church. And he said that I'm just not sure if I can trust what the Bible says, essentially. And I said, well, if I could prove to you that the Bible is accurate and trustworthy, would you place your faith in Jesus? And this is what he said. He said, he said, man, I don't know. I would have to change my entire life. Mm. And I'm like, bingo, baby. That's exactly right. right. And on the other side, being in youth ministry for over 10 years, you go to these conferences or concerts and they don't tell you that, hey, place your faith in Jesus and die to yourself. Right. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's right. like, hey, you know, you're sad. This will make you happy. Place your faith in Jesus and everything will go well. And these kids do this. And, and I believe that many of them, not all of them, many of them are false conversions. Uh, and I think that this guy, he, I think he was seriously counting the costs He of understood what the word said. Absolutely. Yeah. And he knew, you know, I'm 35 years old. My life is completely contrary to scripture. Everything about me would have to change if I decided to place my faith in Jesus and then live for Christ. He's like, to live for Christ, everything about me would have to change. And I couldn't argue with that. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he was counting the cost of discipleship. Yeah. And uh, as of now, he has chosen that he will not. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that changes someday, though. Yeah. So for this episode so far, I believe, and you can add something if, if you would like here, but as we're kind of coming to a close, um, we talked about that Scripture claims to be authority. Scripture claims that what is in what is considered scripture is God breathed, not, not man's best attempt, but God breathed. And so it is something set apart from anything else this world has to read. It is set apart from any other message ever given, whether personal or national um, or worldwide, that this book is something set apart from anything else and is God's words um, preserved for man, for the saints, for the pursuit of God, and that everything that we need to know about being followers of Jesus and about who God is, everything that we need to know is sufficiently included and that it is completely trustworthy. Um, and, and that's what the Bible claims about itself, right? Yeah. Would you yeah. agree with that? Yep. Okay, so then the reason why we have part two is there's a whole other section about um, maybe whether it's from a secular perspective, we can step back and look at this and say, how is the how do we know the Bible is trustworthy? The Bible says it's trustworthy, mm-hmm. but one thing CJ and I were talking about in the truck the other day is that uh, there are other books like the Book of Mormon. They say it is trustworthy because it says it's trustworthy, right? So then, if we go by that logic, well, anything is ultimate authority and trustworthy if if the book itself says it. 
I don't think that that's a bad reason to go about it with Scripture, because I believe it is actually Scripture and the only Scripture. But um, outside of that, how can we trust that this book is trustworthy? And uh, I think there's some validity to that. Um, there's other things we haven't talked about, like the proof that, that Scripture is the Word of God is the way lives are changed through it, right? There's, right. I mean, there's something to be said yeah. by that, the way the it's changed the world, right? Yeah. But um, next episode, what I'd like to talk about is, is even from a secular perspective, um, is the Bible something that is considered by its own standard uh, trustworthy? Mm-hmm. So if we were to take the Bible and put it next to Homer's Iliad, put it uh, through historical works of Caesar um, and put the secular standard on all of it is the Bible is trustworthy at the, as those other documents. And, uh, and I think that there's something to be said for that. And for me, I know it, it has different weight for different people. For me, it weighs a lot because of the overwhelming proof of the incredible trustworthiness of this book versus anything else in hum- human history. There's yeah. nothing that compares. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think that I would throw out there that if you're tempted to feel like this doesn't matter, that that's an issue. If you're tempted to feel like, you know, the Bible might be mostly true, but it might have some flaws. Or maybe, maybe you know, it's been corrupted a little bit over the course of time. Um, aside from all of the evidence against all of that, that, that idea has major theological implications. So I heard this from someone, and it's really stuck with me, that behind our doctrine of Scripture stands our doctrine of who God is. So if we say that Scripture has not been preserved, right, and has been corrupted by humans um, throughout history, and that we really have lost the original, even meaning of Scripture, then that would mean that either God is not powerful enough or sovereign enough to preserve that for his people, whom he says he loves, mm-hmm. or he didn't care enough to do it. Those are both big problems. Yep. He has to be completely in control. He has to be sovereign. He also is unanimously called good, right, throughout all of Scripture, that God is good, that God loves his people, that he's for his people, and that if he didn't preserve a document or some form of communication um, that would provide people with the right information necessary to be saved, then he's either not good or he's not in control. That's a, those are tough things that you will have to reconcile with Yeah, if you discount what Scripture is. Yeah. And uh, we think that they're um, between what Scripture says about itself, by the way it's transformed human history and the human world, and by the standard by which we have determined things are reliable, um, it supersedes all of those things and falls into a category of its own of trustworthy. Um, and historians and uh, people who work in things of antiquity and things like that um, would all agree with that. The problem people have is it gets to the point where did Jesus do these things? Well, okay, we keep finding all this evidence that Jesus did. Oh, there's a secular writing by a secular historian that says this. You know, Josephus says this. Okay, so Jesus was there. He was doing these things. Um, and if Jesus never rose from the dead, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd even be arguing whether this is an accurate account of this this person named Jesus. Right. Um, the, the issue we have is that if he rose from the dead, it changes the world. Right. Yeah, because other people claim to be raised from the dead. 
Yeah. And their books are basically lost to history. Yeah. People don't even know their names. Yeah. There's something unique here. Yeah. So I think it's important. So we'll look at that trustworthiness side. Um, so uh, what the Bible has to say is ultimate authority. It's the words of God. Um, how can we how can we be sure that it was captured correctly in that sense and that it is then also reliably uh, brought to us today? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, sounds good. Uh, like we've talked about in the past, what we would like you to do is consider liking our videos, subscribing to YouTube, commenting below, and keep in mind, if there's ever a time when you'd like to financially contribute to this, we will provide a way. All right, you guys have a great week.